Welcome back, double teamed fam. How are we doing? I told y'all I would change that up, but it's kind of a habit now. Anyways, we're glad you're here. Today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us. I have been wanting her on our show for so long. So welcome, Sir Ren. You might know her as Black Queer Dom on Instagram, but she is a sensual daddy and primal dominant, and we can't wait to dive into being a dom with her today. So yeah, if you want to say hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) This is the first time that I've actually shared my voice. We'll be on the podcast, so that should be interesting. (gasps) Well, thank you. We're honored. I like your voice. You have a very nice, like... Very sensual. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm already in love with it. (laughs) Well, we can just dive in. Now, I don't know if how many of our followers do follow you or know about you, but maybe if you kind of wanted to start off with just a little bit about yourself as a dominant and kind of like your current dynamics that you practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm actually fairly new to the Instagram world of kink. (laughs) I set up this page at the encouragement of my wife a little over a year ago. And I really thought, no, maybe there'll be like a couple hundred people who will follow me and we'll be able to talk about kinky things. And so it's been a a really quite amazing to see just the surge of interest at the intersections of kink and polyamory and really thinking about power exchange specifically for Black, queer, and trans folks has been really beautiful. And so my wife is amazing. She and I have been married for 18 and a half, almost 19 years, it'll be 19 years in June that we've been together. And we do poly in such different ways. I, I really often say that she's like naturally poly and I feel like I've learned just so much from her in the way that she moves and the way that she builds relationships and connections. And the one thing that has always been kind of consistent about me has been that I've always been a daddy. Like it's just always been there. I have always thought of myself as a gentleman, even when I was a little girl. And so really kind of discovering that there was an entire body of work that I could step into that has really just filled a a very important piece of myself in kink and BDSM and really in particular being essential dominant because I think that I had a lot of preconceived notions about what kink and BDSM was. So I am married to my wife and during the summer, which is mostly when I play in the States, I typically have three to five submissives under my care at any given time. Nice. Also amazing that you guys have been married for so long and that, you know, in your polyamorous dynamic, that, granted this is off here, but you said she's more poly, maybe you're more non-monogamous side. And I think it's great when people can kind of restructure the things that they want to for themselves and still make it work within a relationship. I feel like a lot of times people feel like it has to be so even in polyamory when really it should be about like what fulfills you and your relationship and then what fulfills your partner and then finding harmony within that. So I think that's great. So I know you said you're a daddy and then also a primal dominant. Your submissives, are they, you know, do you go for like little submissives? Is there kind of a variety in the way that they are submissive to you? Um, yeah. So Or pets. <laughs> Or pets. I know there's just like such a beautiful and wide range. I think that what is really amazing is that about kink is that it's kind of like you don't know what you don't 
know, right, in terms of what you like. So the more you push into exploring new dynamics, the more you discover things that you just had no clue were a total and complete turn on. And that part, I think, is very magical. So I am very drawn. I love littles. They're just magical and special. And I think that it took me a long time to really fully appreciate how powerful the space of little, like little space can be as a place of healing. Uh, And especially for Black women, because I think in our culture and society, women get asked to hold so much and and Black women are asked to hold so much for in community and family and work and life. And so when you are stretched and required to be the strong person in so many spaces of your life in order to hold your life together, being able to have permission to be in a space where you can completely release control and be completely taken care of is such an incredibly healing experience. And of course, it like drives my daddy wild to be able to step into that space and to provide that care and that softness for someone. So I love littles. I also have a deep affinity for service submissives. I think submissives that naturally want to serve. There's like a lot of, a lot of earth energy, a lot of Virgos, right? Like just how beautiful it is when someone gets pleasure from being able to take care of someone and something. And so I love the organization and the desire to please that's there. I have found myself adoring pet play and just like connecting with folks in that way. And very few of the folks that I play with are are heavy masochists. And that's mostly because I'm just not a very intense sadist. But I think that what has been really fun is that outside of my dynamics, I get to play with a lot of really dope people. And that's been a lot of fun to just kind of run the gamut of kink identities in those spaces. So I am very open in terms of the folks that I play with, but the majority of my submissives tend to be service submissives and littles. Love that. And I think it's so beautiful the way that you described, you know, creating the space for littles and kind of like what you said for the black community, what that can do. I think that's really great. I was going to say when, at least for me in pet play, it's not something I have really dived into a whole lot. But one thing that you had said that kind of reminded me something that I, or I guess I should say like pet play and little play. I like when I'm able to kind of like be childlike. I just haven't explored it a whole lot. And so, and maybe that's just because I haven't found like a daddy dom that has brought out that side of me yet. But my female dom, actually, she kind of brings out that side of me a little bit more just because when I see her be more of the little with my male dom or with our male dom, then I see kind of that space open up and it makes me want to open it up. Yeah, I just haven't had a chance to. So anyways, that's just something that I thought of when you said that. I'm like, I want to be able to submit in a way that makes me kind of feel that like childlike way, kind of that opening up a part of me that maybe I haven't always had a chance to really explore. So I love being a little. That's like my go-to when it, I love service submission, but being a little has like a special place in my heart. Because, you know, then it doesn't sound so weird when I say, you know, words like wah-wah for water. Um, I know, same. So. I had a question. Are you switchy at all? Is there ever like a part of you that likes to be somewhat submissive? I am not. I am like 100% all all day. And it's interesting because I also, so part of my role at Black Queer Dom is that I hold a circle, a learning and a training circle for other dominants. And we were just talking about this last night, actually, that there's still a lot of stigma around being a dominant, identifying as a dominant and also being a switch. And that part of it is about 
who you play with and that you can have different dynamics with different people and giving each other and ourselves permission to be able to explore that, as you were just saying, someone may pull a more submissive side out of you. So I definitely think that that's really powerful. And I don't have a submissive side, but I think a lot of folks would say and have said that I'm not always the easiest person to read. And part of that is because I'm an Aquarius and I have Scorpio rising. And so I'm like just Uh murky. And yeah, it's like, Secret on secret on justice. That's kind of, I joke that my mantra is like, free the people and fuck the people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I definitely keep a very tight and close circle of folks I really enjoy building intimacy when I train and when I provide leadership in power exchange dynamics. But more than anything, I think I'm very grateful for my wife because she is the only space where I allow like the fullness of my vulnerability, which isn't really submission, but just kind of the fullness of who I am to show up. And I think that that's part of what kink offers people too, right? Is like our dynamic is it's not kink in that way, but we've been together for so long and she's known me since I was a kid that I'm able to be free around her in a way that I really am not with anybody else on this earth. And everybody should have that space. And I think that when power exchange and dominant and submissive dynamics work, it's because you provide that kind of a space where someone gets to be a part of themselves that is desperately seeking to see light, but has nowhere to like manifest itself in the world. And as a result, like we become repressed humans, like we don't live as our fullest and freest selves. And so I take a lot of pride in being able to provide that space. And in particular, it's often for littles, because I think that the other thing that happens is that a lot of Black women just get exploited for their sweetness, right? And their softness. And that it's very easy to be manipulated for women in our culture and society. And so a lot of women learn to hide that part of themselves because it's not safe to really put it out into the world. And so I take a lot of pride in being a space to do that. And I I have an affinity for brats. I joke that my wife is the only brat I have, (laughs) the only brat in my life. And I do think that part of that is that it's trickier Bratting one should and can be negotiated, but I do think that it is trickier to do brat play in shorter term engagements, right? That you really need the long term engagement to be able to have the patience and the punishment and the coming back together. And so if you have 24 or 48 hours with someone, it's a lot harder to have a full brat experience where then you can come full circle into a healing place than if you live with someone and you're 24 seven or that person is actively part of your life. So I definitely feel very grateful to be able to create those spaces for the women in my life. So you guys have a dynamic as well. Is she switchy? What do you guys prefer to do together? I'm curious. You said, now I want to know all your business. Well, I just told you I don't (laughs) tell my business. So (laughs) nice try. But yeah, no. So my wife is not my submissive and I am her daddy. It's a, you know, that's how... Exactly. It's a very beautiful dynamic, which is that my wife is very, she's an incredible powerhouse and has her own dynamics in other relationships. And I I won't speak to her relationships um, that she has with other people, but I, I will say in our relationship very much, you know, I take pride on the fact that I am and have always been her daddy, mostly though I refer to myself and she refers to me as, as more of a king. But I think that our energy together is one of equals in terms of energy and power. We have a life together. We build an empire together. We work together. And that 
allows for a level of mutuality that is really beautiful. And I think for me, it feels very fulfilling in the same way that being able to be very dominant and have very structured, dominant and submissive dynamics with other partners really also feeds a different part of me. I think that's part of the joy too, which is like, you get to find all of the things. She says this often, which is like, you get to have all the things you want. You just have to find the people that also want what you want. Mm -hmm. I I can already tell that you two are just like, so like such powerhouses, as you said, and just so badass. So aware. That's the energy you give. So in tune. I can only imagine how she is. I bet the communication is bomb. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get into like the meat of the episode. But yeah, we wanted to discuss like, what do you think it takes to be a good dominant That's a great question. I mean, I think one, because there's still so much stigma around BDSM and kink, there aren't a lot of public conversations. And certainly when I first discovered really that this was a path I wanted to pursue, and it was very much called forth by femmes. So as a poly person, I was at the time dating, I don't date anymore, but I was dating and I was encountering women who really wanted me to step into a dominant role in a more formal kink way with them because I'm a strong top. But I was like, oh, I had so many preconceived notions around just like the negative stereotypes of violence associated with kink and BDSM. And I was just like, there's no way that I can kind of partake in these dynamics, especially with the Black women in my life and feel good about myself. And so it took a lot of like stepping back and actually doing research. And so it was at that point that I started to really kind of put together tools and resources. And I realized like there isn't a pathway to being a good dom. Like there aren't a lot of very explicit, there's a lot around like how you train a submissive, but nothing around like your own personal growth and like what kind of person you should be and what kind of integrity you should have in order to show up as a dom. And so that has been a lot of the conversations that I have with other dominants and a lot of my own personal work. I think that you have to be committed to your own personal growth. You have to be willing to be wrong as a dominant. You also have to be willing to train yourself and educate yourself. I think that you have to be willing to try and practice things on your own body. Um, I think that you have to be willing to be part of a circle and a community of other dominants so that you can learn from them and share not just notes, but really like learning lessons. I was talking with another dominant the other day. Uh, yesterday, actually, we were talking about just how much radical honesty has transformed the way that we do kink and how important it has become as part of our practice. So those are all things that I think are really important. A lot of people always want to rush to the sexy stuff and all of the tools and the toys and the play kits. But really, you have to have a very clear understanding of like what informed consent looks like and feels like for you and in your own body and how you're going to show up. I encourage the doms in my dom circle to write a personal manifesto that basically declares how they view dominance and what their approach to BDSM kink and dominance and submission is that they can share with other submissives that they're thinking about engaging with. You should be able to have references that you can share with other submissives as well. I think all of those things speak to someone who moves in their integrity. We're not perfect. We're very imperfect as humans. But you have to be willing to approach this as a craft. It's a lot of responsibility. And one of my favorite things in my dom circle is when people are like, actually, I think I'm just going to be a top. 
Like this is way more work than I was planning for. And I think that that's good, right? Ultimately, you just need to be very aware of your own ability to meet the needs of someone else in a dominant and submission dynamic. And that is what makes you a really, really good dom is when you're able to do the work to figure that out. I love that you said it's a craft because I was actually having this conversation with my two dominants the other day that, you know, obviously I love BDSM. I love when people want to dive into this world and explore it. And I absolutely, and I agree, like it takes a lot of self-work, all these things. But like to me, like I always really view it, it is an art. And I think, you know, as a dominant or a submissive or a switch, like the way that you approach that should be that of an art. You know, it's something that you create. I love the idea of the manifesto that you said, like, what does it mean to you? Obviously, it's going to look different for everybody, but like an artist, you should look at it in a way that's like, this is how I'm going to create that space for myself, for my submissives and such, and like doing research into kind of like a lot of the things behind BDSM, honorifics, and you know, the history behind it, all these things. Like, I love when people really try to approach it from that standpoint, rather than, like you said, just hopping right into all the sexy stuff and like, you know, now we're going to whip some people and tie them up and fuck them and all those things. Because I agree, to me, it's so much less about like the sex and all those things and so much more about creating that space as you define it as your art and then inviting people into that space and really finding like kind of this beautiful harmony within it. So I love when I meet other dominants that are like that see it that same way. You know, kind of like you said, those preconceived notions also, hi, this is our cat. Um, (laughs) I love when people can kind of come to the realization that like it's not just about like sex and pain and like all these leather wear things and, and really it's so much more than that. So yeah. I would agree. And I always call, you know, whenever I step into like my subspace, it's a whole nother realm. I really think it is. And it is something to very much respect. And I think it's great that, you know, especially through building like the manifesto, as you said, I think it's great that it also helps people discover like, especially when they, you know, actually take the time to think about it, like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I just like being a top or bottom. Yeah, I think that's very like a very important distinction to make. And I think a lot of people also get dom and top confused. Mm -hmm. So it's very true. Yeah. And like you said, it takes a lot more work, I think, and effort to be a dominant because then you are kind of stepping into that like craft, that art of BDSM. So it's not just something that you can just kind of like, oh, we'll make some negotiations and get into it. And then like, we're good. You know, obviously everyone starts somewhere. And I understand that like, you got to start slow, but at the same time, it's like figure out how as a dominant or a submissive, how you're going to like refine that space and that craft for you. So Well, and I guess kind of going off with how you start, and especially like when you talk to other doms, etc, like finding honorifics and like what resonates with you personally, like how did you find that for yourself? But also like, how do you help other dominants discover like what honorifics and what roles they want to take on? Yeah. So what's great is that I started using daddy with an I and then a lot of queer folks have kind of created gender permutations of words with eyes. A lot of us, whether it's boy, right, whether it's daddy. And then I came across another black poly trans daddy who also used daddy with an eye. And then I realized like actually there was kind of this emergence of black 
queer and gender queer and trans folks that were essentially thinking of and using language of daddy with an eye. It, it felt very fitting and aligned. And then, you know, there are also a lot of folks who were looking for, for like more gender neutral terms. And so I did a post specifically around like gender neutral honorifics that you can use to really help folks find something that works for them. And, you know, it goes both ways. Like, I will often play with a submissive and it will take time for me to really get a feel for like what their name should be. And I will even often try different names to see like which one feels energetically like it really is just a fit and aligned with who they are. And so all of us have to find that, you know, identity is such a beautiful thing in that like you've got to try it on to see if it really works for you and to play with it. So I love, 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 love being a daddy. In community space, people call me sir. Daddy is really reserved for my submissives and women who have previously been under my care that I, I'm forever able to be called daddy should they choose to. But, and I think that that also implies just a, a real beautiful level of intimacy and connection that's also really nice. But it's been really dope to watch people move in such interesting ways and find language that really affirms who they are and how they want to show up. And it's been nice to offer really cool honorifics for folks who weren't necessarily thinking of language, but have actually really found themselves in that space. I really like what you said about trying different ones on and, and seeing what fits because I've definitely been, you know, through that in my journey. Um, I had one of my submissives used to call me mistress, but then he decided he likes to call me master more. And so he was like, can we try this out and see if you like it? And I did. So I was like, you know, what? I like it. You know, in your Dom journey, when you take on submissives, what... I guess we're talking about the negotiations beforehand. Like, well, no, I guess, you know, especially like when it comes to healing, like what are your, I guess, favorite ways as a dom to help a submissive maybe like not only just heal, but also discover more of themselves and, you know, really tap into that side. Yeah. Well, I, definitely the ways that I play encourage that. So I am a sensual dominant, which means a lot of doms will play in power exchange dynamics without sex. And that's very much like culturally and socially acceptable. And, and I think a really beautiful thing about kink is that it doesn't always have to be sexual and that that can be really powerful, just as powerful. For me, because I'm a sensual dominant, it always involves sex. But the way that I have sex is very healing and very much about like pushing the limits of the body. And I'm not a sadist, but I do believe that uh, just the right balance of pain and pleasure can actually super enhance pleasure. And I find that to be really unique for every person's body. So I'm always interested in figuring out just kind of where that fine line is. And then I also do cupping. I also do body work. So I use massage and like physical work with my hands to move energy throughout a body. And then I also am very big on like using compression, body compression. So that's more like when you wrap someone with your body as opposed to like ropes or something else like that, which similarly kind of gives like a cocoon-like feeling and womb-like feeling for folks. 
So there's a lot of ways that you can practice it, the actual dynamics, but then the, you know, most of what I think dominance do when you're really, really attuned to what it takes for someone to heal and to grow is to challenge them. So in order to be in my orbit, you have to have a clear plan around your personal goals, your kink goals. So you have to have set your life goals and your kink goals for the time that we will be engaged together so that I can help coach you towards them. You also have to be willing to look at what healthy means in your life and make shifts in terms of your own personal, like what you eat, how active you are. Like there's a number of different things. If folks are moving through or kind of managing a lot of trauma, I will send a submissive to see a therapist. I'll send a submissive to see a doctor or a dentist. Ultimately, I'm very invested in your well-being overall. And whatever that looks like for you, I want to be able to be responsive for it. And I'm ultimately responsible for your body, right? And your well-being. And so I need to make sure that I'm encouraging you to make the choices that will keep you in the healthiest and best shape of your life so that when our time is finished, you'll look back on it and see it as a big period of transformation and growth. And I think that all of the submissives that I've been with for large chunks of time would absolutely say that their lives are fundamentally better and stronger and they feel healthier and more empowered because they were under my care. And it is what makes me the most proud as a dominant. I love that. Have you ever helped any of your submissives discover like a switchier dominant side? Not so much a switchy or a dominant side, because I think that I really kind of call forth the submissive side of the submissives that I play with. But I do think that they've discovered a lot of new kinks as a result of being with me. And that's always just a lot of fun. Like when someone stumbles into a place of tremendous pleasure that they didn't know existed for them, then they're like excited to play with it more and to push those boundaries. I agree. And I don't know, I mean, at least for me, I just remember all the times that I've discovered new things through my doms and that that's, you know, that's kind of what they say. They're like, it's so rewarding to like see you find something, you know, about yourself along the way. And so I don't know that I've in my dominant journey that I've really hit that point with anyone yet, but I can imagine like it would be a really cool thing to introduce something to someone and then them just like, you know, be kind of like awestruck about it and discover a whole new side of themselves that they want to explore. I think that's, you know, the ultimate goal for any dominant. Absolutely. I'm all submissive. You know, I dabble in topping every now and then. I did so at a sex party. But as a submissive, I love the part where you talked about like being a cocoon. Because mm-hmm. for me, a lot of, especially, you know, with my ex dom, a lot of it had to do with like, embracing me and like giving me like that pressure that warmth that like security blanket that's like one of my favorite ways to be in my little space is just to be like wrapped by my by my dom makes me kind of miss it a little bit right now (laughs) I did like what you said about healing in the the pain pleasure realm because I've used like I'm definitely kind of a masochist and I've definitely used that for healing. I remember one time this was like right around the time that I was, you know, my husband and I were separating and I asked my dominance for a heavy flogging session that allowed me to like release a lot of the emotions. And so I really do think that you can kind of use that pain sometimes to release 
a lot of like emotional stress and trauma in the body. And so that was a really cool experience because afterwards I felt like a whole new person, you know, it seemed because I was able to kind of really, I don't know, like it literally felt like it like left my body, you know, this vlogging session. And, and they did kind of like my male dominant who was vlogging me, kind of like we said about challenging them. I think this was one of the times that he kind of really challenged me into tapping into releasing more through because before, like, you know, like impact play was always so much about, you know, the fun of it and like it's like fun and who doesn't love playing with all these different toys and all those things. But I felt like that was one of those times that he kind of challenged me to tap into the more healing side of impact play and finding a way to use it to like release emotions and le release stress in the body rather than just kind of like the normal typical impact play that we always did. I have a question. So I know you speak a lot about how you take care of your subs. What is the way you have to take care of yourself? Or does your wife do that for you? Like, what are your rituals for your self-care? Mm, that's a great question. So, no, I am very, like, I think one of the things that I enjoy is that I have kind of my own rituals. Sharing this, I did a social media takeover recently, and I was saying, like, a lot of dominants will have their submissives even, like, clean up after a scene. And I really like to do it myself. I think of it as like a meditative moment to reflect on like what happened, what I feel like went well. This is like after aftercare and usually after she's fallen asleep. And so then I will traditionally like, I love <laughs> sparkling water. So I will always have like, I always make sure that I have the things that she will like and want and the things that I will like and want. So I'll always have sparkling water and like grapes, some kind of fruit. And I will like clean and reset and enjoy some water and kind of do my own reflection. And then my biggest thing is that I need sleep after I have long multi, I tend to do multi-day sessions and scenes where I'll have a submissive with me for like two or three days. And so then I'll just crash afterwards. <laughs> as soon as like the adrenaline, I don't so much dom drop as much as like just my adrenaline crashes through the floor and then when my adrenaline crashes then i have to not only sleep but also make sure that i'm eating well um so that i definitely am, am keeping a good balance but i really like that i'm able to kind of refuel myself in that way energetically which is really powerful at least for like our rituals, we, you know, we kind of do, my dom actually likes to do the cleaning up themselves as well. We do help, but I think it's important for anyone to kind of find what it is or like what it is that's going to help them, you know, recharge afterwards. It reminds me of earlier, you said this before we had started recording, but you said how like you kind of only practice, you know, maybe half the year or so. And then, you know, there are times of the year that you kind of take a break. And I think that's really important for people to understand kind of like their limits in BDSM and like really understanding when to, you know, maybe take a break or take time to recharge or whatever it is, because if not, like you don't want it to become something that does burn you out in a way. So I don't know if you wanted to kind of like dive a little bit more into that in practicing and maybe half and half. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing to remember that kink is both addictive and exhaustive, right? Like the part of why we get such an incredible adrenaline rush is that we're pushing our bodies at paces that are actually not sustainable for long, long, long periods of time. And in short doses, it's amazing and it's incredible. And we want to be able to have access to that, but having really powerful aftercare and giving yourself permission to take breaks. So yeah, I traditionally dom just when I'm in the States, which is about five or six months out of the year. And I'll take three to five submissives for the summer. And then when I had 
home to South Africa, I traditionally will release most or all of my submissives and then kind of reconnect with folks when I get back. And then when I'm that side, I kind of rest and I focus much more on my workout routines and spending time with my family and sleeping extra and getting work done. And so I do think that it is easy to get burnt out in dynamics and to be able to find sustainable and healthy ways. It's just the same that like traditionally I found that I can't play more than two or three days with someone because it's just too much for their body to be able to withstand and to hold. And so keeping our sessions to two days or three days allows us to both rest, enjoy, for me to enjoy them, and also to make sure that I'm not overly exhausting or taxing their body. So knowing those limits and figuring that piece out is really important. And I think it's also unique to every single person that you'll play with. But overall, learning how to set good, healthy boundaries around what you have bandwidth and capacity for, yeah, that's like peak growth as a dominant. But I think just in the kink and BDSM space, it's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, I think kind of learning how to set those boundaries and communicating them is, is like you said, peak growth, because it's one of the hardest things to achieve. You know, you want to like, satisfy people, you want to push yourself, you want to explore new things. So then it's like, you have to know when to be able to be like, okay, as much as I want to do all these things at the same time, I want to make sure I'm taking care of like myself and my body and other responsibilities and things like that. So and I know, at least for me, like it's been a big journey, you know, communicating my boundaries, especially when there's a lot of excitement around like wanting to try new things and wanting to push myself. So yeah, I'm curious. And I just thought of this because I, one of the things that I'm trying to practice a little bit more kind of boundaries with is rope. Do you do any shibari? Do you like shibari? <laughs> so Shabari is really funny. I was saying this yesterday. We had two really amazing Shabari practitioners share with my Black Queer Dom Circle. And I was saying, I feel like Shabari is everywhere. It's like polyamory. Everybody's into Shabari and everybody's poly now. It's like very trendy to do. And I think it's beautiful. Like one, just there's a lot of appreciation and recognition of like where it comes from as a Japanese art form and just how much like cultural appropriation is tied to it in the kink community that people don't really ever want to talk about, but I think is just endemic of like what happens when white folks take things on and take things over. And so I think that it's important for us to be able to talk about that very explicitly. And that's not necessarily why I don't practice it, but as a Black person, I'm always like wary of when some Somebody else's cultural practice has been turned into a parlor trick, so to speak, like and taken away from its spiritual root. So that I think is part of it. But the other thing is just like function. I am not going to spend 45 minutes tying you up. I'm going to spend 45 minutes <laughs> doing many other things to you, but I'm not, I, I'm, I was like, maybe I'm old school. I'm just going to tie you up with some tape or some restraints and then we finna go. But I would rather spend my 45 minutes in a different way. But I do think that, you know, part of why I haven't gravitated towards it, whereas I've gravitated towards cupping because I've had folks that are deep in that field that have offered me that as a tool and shown me how to use it. And so using something without a cultural framework and without the instruction and leadership of folks has always just not set right with my soul. So I think Shabari is gorgeous. I see why people are very into it. And I think it's one of the things that is really dope around kink that you can have a full Shabari session and that can be your power exchange experience, right? Like that that doesn't have to 
be added to anything else to be in and of itself a really transformative practice. So, but in my play and the way that I play, because that's never going to be kind of the centerpiece of what I do with someone, it's just not a central part of the way that I play, but I think it's gorgeous. I was just curious. I definitely want to know how to incorporate cupping into kink. Now I'm very curious. I know. I know. And you mentioned that earlier. I'd never really, never really thought to kind of include the two, but I think that's really neat. I'm so happy. No, it's hot. It's real hot. You can cup all parts of the back, the body, the genitals, not the chest. You should stay there. Make sure that you receive some training and support around it. Um, But it's similar to flogging. Like I love impact play. And I think what you were saying around like deep impact play can be an incredible cathartic release. So is cupping in that same way. It just like pulls everything out of the body and can make folks really emotional and allow you to release, whether it's grief, whether it's pain, whether it's trauma, like whatever you're holding in a similar way that I think impact play does. And so I enjoy them both for that, but I I love impact play. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out Sir Ren on Instagram at Black Queer Dom. She's amazing and we absolutely love her content. So this is great. I like I'm so awed by you. I think like I said, my male Dom and my female Dom have shown me a lot about dominance and I think it's really given me an eye for seeing when people really treat it as a craft. You know, they're both professional doms and, and so I I have a lot of like you know, kind of that same awe with them. And I see that in you, like the time that you've taken to create this craft for yourself. And it sounds like you really create a beautiful space for all of your submissives. And I think it's also great that you approach it in such a way where, you know, you want to help people, you want to help yourself. And then also you want to respect the space of BDSM as it is as well. So yeah, just, I'm absolutely awestruck by all of it. And I don't think that's old school. Yeah, no, I don't think it's old school at all. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you for joining us. Like this was really, truly a pleasure. And I hope people find you, resonate with you and really, you know, just continue to learn from you because these are the kind of dominance you embody exactly what a dominant should be in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much for having me out. And I look forward to continuing the conversation with folks online. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. And everybody, don't forget, wear condoms. Come back and see us next time. Bye.